0: So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Mrs. Karen Rosenberg, who is a licensed psychotherapist and certified in perinatal mental health. She holds a master's degree in social work from The Ohio State University and a bachelor's degree in psychology from the University of Texas. Her practice is located in Boca Raton, Florida, where she offers virtual and in-person sessions. Karen helps provide emotional support to parents as they navigate the postpartum journey and specializes in grief and loss counseling and reproductive mental health. Love that. Welcome, Karen. How are you today? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. Okay. So before we jump on to the meat and potatoes of the conversation, I always like to ask my guests, um, favorite book? And I know this is a loaded question for a lot of people. It doesn't have to be a motherhood book. It could be anything that has inspired you. One that you even think my listeners should recommend. Maybe it wasn't even your favorite book, but you're like, listen, I think parents or someone
1: all, two, three, whatever your heart desires to share? That's a tough question. Yeah. That's like asking who's my favorite child or who's my favorite band, yeah. I'm an avid reader. So um, for, for this purpose, uh, the book that I always recommend is Good, Mom, Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. It's a wonderful postpartum book but I really enjoy reading. And a couple of my amazing favorite books have to do with music. So Dave Grohl, The Storyteller, an amazing story, Foo Fighters. Uh, Bono, Surrender, amazing book from you too. And the book I'm just reading right now is the second book by feel like his name is uh, he wrote the violin conspiracy it's his follow-up book so okay. lots of great books out there
0: didn't Dave Grohl's mom write a book did you read her book they they or wrote a, or something
1: yeah there and there's a book of, of of all the moms so rush is my favorite band and yeah. uh, Getty Lee's mom was in the book so they wrote a book about mothers of rock and roll stars yeah I, yeah. I saw them on something yeah and um I thought oh that's fascinating
0: like you know to raise that and excuse me, what would that entail to be a mother of a rock star and what you do? So, okay, very cool. Um, Who and what has been a part of your motherhood village? And I know we're going to talk about that because... um, the village is, I mean, the village is why I call this the motherhood village. So I always ask my guests, especially the ones who are, who are moms, who and what has been a part of your motherhood village,
1: um, in your personal life and your entrepreneurial journey in both. Sure. So I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I have a sister and a sister-in-law who are in the area. Um, one is a social worker and one now does some coaching, but we all had kids around the same time. So, uh, I had already started my practice. We all had kids. So our oldest are all 21, 22. So early on, they were really part of that village, my my family, and then in addition, um, I created some amazing friendships, which I tell my clients and, and all the time, get out there, join join groups, join support groups. I'm still friends with people I met at a story time at a library, at at um, mommy and me at yeah. preschool. The, Twenty years later, That's so, awesome. and some of those mom friends that I made or close, close friends, in addition, our colleagues. So not only can we talk about just the challenges of being a mom, but also the balance of, you know, the profession as well. So it's, I've been very, very lucky to have an amazing, and I had an amazing mentor before I ever had kids that really served me well. I highly recommend mentorship. Yeah. I think yeah. In,
0: in entrepreneurship, um, even in motherhood, I had talked to someone on my podcast who, Um, She was a leadership coach, but she helped parents, specifically mothers, of bringing that leadership into the home. And it was a pretty fascinating concept of um, like—and getting a mentor was like a—it was just a—I always am fascinated when people kind of have the thing and they help parents, whatever aspect that might be. Um, But it was was the whole thought process, and we talked about mentorship, and I had never looked about it in— from the corporate world. And when I think of mentor, I think of someone in the professional field, someone to help. But I'm like, oh, but you can have a coach in motherhood and someone to help you and things. So so that's awesome. Okay, so you are a psychotherapist, like I read in your bio, and a trauma-trained clinician in EMDR. I just I'm um, not just. I think I kind of got introduced to what EMDR a couple years ago from a guest on my podcast. Break down what a psychotherapist does. You hear the term psychotherapist. You hear the term psychologist, licensed mental health counselor. Maybe kind of um, what's the differentiation between them, or maybe even just specifically what you do as a psychotherapist. Sure. So there
1: are di- there there are differences. Um, from a, from a medical standpoint, I always let people know I do not prescribe medication. Those are psychiatrists, they have gone to medical school or there could be a nurse practitioner who's a psychiatric nurse practitioner um, and, and they can prescribe. I do not prescribe, so I get that call a lot. Like, can, can you just get me medication? No, but I can be your therapist. So uh, licensed psychotherapist, my training is as a, ma- I'm a social worker, right? I have my master's in social work. So in the state of Florida, we can be licensed as a psychotherapist. The difference between somebody like myself, there's licensed mental health counselors, there's licensed marriage and family therapists. We all have master's degrees. We're all kind of similar in terms of education, but maybe some different areas. Um, my my background was child and family as a social worker in graduate school. And then it kind of just launched off from there, um, being a grief and loss specialist really is my when I started, uh, as a grief counselor and, and that kind of led me to down the path to, and I don't know if you want to get into all of kind of the journey, but, um, that kind of led me down the path of, of grief counseling to then, um, going out on my own in 99 in private practice where I've had a practice here in Boca since then. And we were at, at one of the hospices I worked at, we, collaborated where I'm all about collaboration and connection. It's super important. So we were working with some programming of, uh, people, pregnant law, pregnancy loss, infant loss. So that kind of my grief and loss kind of went down the pregnancy loss, infant loss path, which then led to fertility, which led to perinatal mental health, postpartum, you know, those types of things. So that's kind of, you know, what, what I do as a, as a clinician and Um, And really it's just, it's to help support, but, but some focused support with beyond like talking to a friend. It's great having friends, but sometimes you need that objective person that isn't going to judge, that's going to create that safe space for you to be able to talk about anything and and give some really great coping skills. And sure. Well,
0: you have the expertise with it. I mean, that's what you went to school for. So there's some science backed information that you're not just I mean, yeah. I think I don't know. I'm just one of those people that's very. I, I, I think I don't put my eggs all in one basket. So very much similar to you. Very collaborative in the face in this in the sense of yeah, absolutely. I need to see a mental health. Um, uh, health therapist in whatever aspect, like sure. you said, whether it's the specific licensed mental health counselor, psychologist, whatever the convention is, depending on what's needed, but also saying you need your girlfriends, right? I think it's it's everything to really bring that connection in, which I know we're going to talk about when we talk about specifically the perinatal peri, um, mental health aspect. But you said something about grief and loss. And the reason why I want to touch upon that, and you have a very awesome extensive bio. So I was like, I, I when I was Pulling, put, putting the questions together. I'm like, gosh. I'm like, we can go so many ways with this, but I know there are some topics that we have to discuss. But um, with the grief and bereavement counseling, I've had actually a few moms reach out to me, and they're like, listen, um, specifically in losing children, whether stillborn, um, miscarriage, and I forget what's the third one I just had recently. Can I refer them to oh. you? Do you still practice? Okay.
1: Oh, absolutely. I have a okay. full practice. That's that's with what still, I, with, okay. all the, that is a huge piece of the referrals that I receive from. Doctors in the area okay. from the hospital from uh, yes definitely That's okay. my go to one of my go tos and and um, and then the e, you know EMDR which yes. is great for trauma I'm also a hypnotherapist as well which is not what people think it's not like you're going to turn into a chicken like on a cruise ship it's not like that it's a really wonderful complementary approach and it's great for anxiety and stress it's
0: wonderful I guess maybe explain on the clinician side of things yeah. of how does that work and if I am feeling overwhelmed or what what can it really do for me and what do you do because to your point yeah I think TV, movies does a great job of being very entertaining. But when you think of hypnosis, you think of, okay, when I snap my fingers, you're going to do whatever I tell you to do, right? I don't know. I watched a Lifetime movie too the other day that had something crazy. But I guess
1: if I am someone who is needing some, when would you recommend hypnosis too and why? So I love hypnotherapy as a complementary approach to counseling. And um, although is it great for somebody who wants to try to stop biting their nails, you know, for specific behaviors? I've seen where married with counseling, it's the, be- it's the most successful for sure. anxiety and stress. So I kind of liken it to meditation with very specific focused concentration of whatever it is that we're trying to work on. So, so, and and nobody could become or act or do anything that sure. they wouldn't want to do anyway. It's, it's, you know, it's really like relaxing, um, Nobody has to say anything other than I'm just kind of guiding them through. I record it on the phone uh, so they have it to listen to. And it's like making a relaxation tape for them. Mm -hmm. It really is very much like that. And it's great for sleep. We're dealing with a lot, especially if we think about motherhood and new moms are just stressed moms, right? And the sleep issues, it's wonderful for people who are having trouble with sleep, insomnia, Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Um, And, and, you know, to try all the things before you're going the route of medication or maybe medication with some other tools. And be the most successful too.
0: And that's what I was going to ask you. So we mentioned EMDR yeah. and like I said, I heard about it because of, I mean, this is my 160th conversation. So I have some knowledge in some basis of things that have been brought up. Maybe talk about some misconceptions of someone who might think of EMDR. Um, I, I've heard it really on the trauma side of things. So maybe talk about a misconception and how it can help someone who might be dealing, you know, with trauma. Although, I was told everyone has had some sort of trauma, just different levels. So maybe talk to me about who and what level of trauma would someone have EMDR.
1: So, so there is a huge misconception. Um, although it is evidence based and it started out uh, back with Vietnam vets PTSD, it's that that it, that is really where the crux of it came from. But what we're, we've launched to helping people be able to now navigate little T and big T, little traumas and big traumas. And what it does is, especially the referrals I get, mostly are more on the bigger trauma side, but it, it doesn't matter. People can, who might be feeling stuck in something and it just, you kind of cycle through. I have somebody who's been just navigating really poor relationships and they're finding that sure. they keep going through it over and over again. Like what has happened? It's not like regression, you're not trying to go back and like pick away what occurred, but what can happen, What can help is, is, finding in a, again in a safe space in a therapist's office if there was something that happened something that they witnessed some experience that they that that they experienced that through EMDR you can process it without the activation that's the goal it's this dual awareness recalling whatever it is the thing we're trying to work on whether it's a big trauma or just something that is sure. really keeping them kind of stuck in something but you're in the here and now in this awareness. So it doesn't activate you. It doesn't like bring everything up in such a way that can be like re-traumatizing. So it's, it's that's where it's really helpful. And the brain is just incredible at how it heals. It's amazing. You know, we, it's like, I'm just helping guide the, my client in, in healing themselves on their journey. That's awesome. Now I want to jump
0: into the perinatal mental health sure. aspect of things. This is a motherhood podcast. So postpartum, and I know we're going to talk about that heavily. Just in basic, um, not basic, but um, based on certain um, organizations that you work with and things. Certain the groups that you run, groups that I run. Postpartum, mm-hmm. can you ever really prepare for postpartum and? you know, you come afterwards, right? So if a mom's listening to this, and actually crazy enough, we have had a lot of pregnant mamas um, that have come and I applaud them because I'm like, wow, to even have the mindset to come. Sometimes I worry that maybe we're scaring them. Um, and I've asked all of them that have come afterwards with their little ones. I'm like, like, did we scare you? Like, cause you know, we talk about the things and there's different age groups and they're like, no, not at all. Like, you know, it was eye opening to kind of recognize- you know, what could possibly happen. Cause obviously everyone's experience is different, but yeah, I guess my question to you on a high level is can anyone really prepare for postpartum? And if so, for a mother listening to this, what are some tips that you would suggest to someone to prepare as they're heading into this uncharted territory?
1: So one of the things that I have clients do, they don't always come after. I have a lot of clients that come while they're pregnant, uh, which is wonderful. And so if the, especially if somebody's had any history of anxiety or depression anyway, we always want to kind of look at that. So I love my pregnant clients that are proactive because, or they're just super savvy about like, everybody should see a therapist. Why do we have to have a thing to see a therapist? Let's normalize mental health, right? Eliminate that stigma and everybody could really benefit from talking to somebody, not just because there's a thing, right? So, so I've, I've lots of pregnant clients and with the fertility stuff, I have a lot of clients that I work with through fertility that, You know, are dealing with all the stuff and then become pregnant and then kind of on that journey. Right. So um, so preparing is kind of checking in with themselves, like, what do they need? What's their support system look like? And being proactive, even while they're pregnant, creating that baseline. Maybe they just come in for a couple of sessions so that once I've had a chance to kind of meet them, we know what's up and then they have their baby and then. And then they come in afterwards and, you know, have that support early on. I encourage people, don't wait. A lot of people think I could do this. Everybody does this. It's the most natural thing. I should be, should, right? We throw the shoulds out, like get rid of the shoulds, but I should be so happy. I've wanted this for so long and... And so then they feel badly that they somehow need support or their partner, I have this recently, uh, partners will say there's something wrong, you you need help. And they themselves are kind of removing themselves from it, which I know we're gonna talk, maybe I touch on that a little bit. So so really preparing is, is stepping foot in, making that relationship and also checking in with what their history has been. Have they had any kind of mental health stuff or not? Because again, like any, postpartum that people have, whether it's postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, that's, I see that probably more than anything, even more than postpartum depression, is like one out of five people. It's a, if you think about, if we had five people sitting around this table, one of us, I mean, it's a very common, so when we normalize it, it just makes it so much better. I love
0: how you said normalizing, even seeing a therapist, because it was interesting. I, um, when I saw a therapist not so long ago, actually, probably a few years ago after my son was born, right? You always go when you think there's a problem. I thought we were going to tap into the fact that I had married my high school boyfriend and was divorced at like 24. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, that must be my trauma, my issue. Because I mean, for anyone who's been through divorce at 24, it's a pretty big thing known him since I was 16. We had that codependent. it was just a lot going on. But no, she took it back to my my childhood years. And when I explained to her, and I mean, I have great parents, but you know, there's all background stories to different things. And she was like, okay, so we're gonna tap into that. But the reason why I say all that is because that came after having my son. I never showed signs of anxiety, never showed signs of depression, um, like at all. It runs in my family. Now, looking back, I had so much anxiety that came out of left field for me, um, and I kind of tied it to possibly having a very—I uh, was VP of finance when my son was born, so very high-stressful career. And a lot of the corporate moms I've talked to on my podcast, which I'm sure you're shaking your head, yes, for those that yeah can't see— um, it's such a um, synergy between the two. So maybe talk to me about that because there might be someone listening to this is like, oh, well, I don't, I've never, because I, like I said, I went through that divorce, I didn't have signs of depression, got through it. All these things went on my way and it wasn't until after my son came and I was like, oh, I'm resenting my husband. And I, I was just hit with a ton of just things. So maybe talk to someone listening that is like, no, Karen, I don't have this. I don't have that. Um, let's normalize why it is important to
1: kind of talk to someone and what that means. Well, I think you said such an important thing. Like some the mere fact of becoming a mom, you almost like relive your own childhood, right? You revisit so much. And not only do you think about your own childhood growing up with your parents, a person's parents, there's also this kind of, I'm sure your family's awesome, but there's this like veil that gets peeled back and you see them so differently. Yes. And, and, and sometimes it's just super helpful to kind of process some of that stuff because yeah. it wasn't anything that was ever thought about before. I've had clients that when they're pregnant or after they have their own kids and, and they were so close with their mom and it's like, oh my gosh, my mom is absolutely like not there for me in the way that I thought, expectations that yes. comes up all the time. Big and one. we talk about that, like realistic expectations and, and also like not everybody can be everything for everyone. So maybe they aren't able to help in the way that you expected how else can you really explore getting that support and getting that help in other ways right people are there for us in bits and pieces too for sure so and 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 to your point about having um the type a corporate job high stress perfectionism we talk about the perfectionism and then perfectionism of motherhood and the schedule and the routine and Control, all of that just like gets like thrown and juggled around in such a really challenging way after becoming a mom.
0: Yeah, that Definitely. you're like,
1: wait, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was thrown for the loop completely. I'm like, no, I've managed people. I
0: consider myself someone that has very high emotional intelligence, and whoa. Um, yeah. So let's discuss. I know you're part of the Guten pre and postpartum programs, um, and there are some groups. So. Finding your village. I know that's very important, finding your village in motherhood. For me, and I guess it ties all to this because after having my son, I had my son at 34. My girlfriends had their kids in their mid-20s, late 20s, big difference. And actually, you know, we had a group last night and I was talking to my mom about this. And to your point, I looked at my mom in a different way too because I'm like, I had my son at 34 I think up. To, I had some good wise thirty four years of my life. I could not imagine being in my teens. I could not even imagine being in my twenties. I was like, Ma, how did you freaking do it at twenty four years old? And I know that was the norm back then. So I say on that to say, please talk about the different programs and why. Um, It is so important to find that village. Um, And I know for me why it was so important because I'm like, hello, like we need to talk. I I need to expand, therapists, I need groups, I need friends, I need all the things. But like I said, I was a 34 year old kind of like, okay, I've had some life to be in my twenties, when some of these moms come, I'm like, wow. And to be raising a child to me, which is the greatest responsibility you have on earth. Like that's a lot. So let's talk about that, about the programs that you're a part of and why it's so important to find your village um, in motherhood and the mommy meetups and the groups and all the things.
1: Yeah. I am, like I said a moment ago, I am such a proponent of the collaborative process. And, and I, I, Anytime I have a new client, I'm asking them, are you getting out of the house and where you gotta get out every single day and where are you going? And if they don't know, which a lot of times a new mom has no clue of what's around, I have a list on my phone and I text them, here's all the different things that are going on. So it's really great that the hospital started this uh, program and they approached me back in 2020 um, during the pandemic of, of, you know, they had received um, the uh, some support. There was a local philanthropist, Barbara Guten, who gave a donation to the program to really focus on pre- and postpartum women where they wanted to have a space um, they, because she recognized how important it was. And so within that, there's a lot of different pieces at the hospital. And this is all free, by the way, at the hospital. And you don't have to have had your child there sure. or deliver there or anything it's really for anybody in the community and Amazing. since my groups I, I run a mommy matters group virtual every Monday 10 a.m I'm there whether it's three people pop on sure. or eight people pop on and and it's been such because we've been running it for a while now it's been a really nice evolution some of the the moms who were there for a while you know can help support the other ones and that's the beauty of what a group is all about and um, and because it's virtual they don't have to you know they I have people People come on; they just had their baby three weeks ago, and so it's a great, you know, touch point with adults to pick each other's brains to have that support. So that's one of the things um, that I do through the hospital. Um, Through this particular program, at least through the hospital. And then in addition, uh, again, if if people don't have the means to be able to afford counseling, uh, there is a grant available to help provide some individual counseling. There's a few therapists that are all part of this that they can – so there's never an obstacle. Money never needs to be an obstacle for people in terms of support. Um, Also, there's a nurse navigator that – people can call and get like totally directed into every single aspect, wherever they need any kind of medical support. We have breastfeeding and infant support groups available. Uh, there's there's lectures. There's pelvic floor therapy. You name it. So the, it's a very comprehensive program at the hospital. Some of it's virtual, and some of it's you know just going to be ongoing in person, like the event that we're going to be having that I know we'll talk about in a little yes. bit. But um, so it's really really great. And you know I've been connected to the hospital. I had my own kids at the hospital, minor 17 and 21 now, which I can't believe. Today was my 17 year old's first day of her last, like her first last day, however that is, as a senior in high school. So it's crazy. I but know, How are you feeling? Like, yeah, I, guess, I know it's crazy.
0: I always say I bow down to single moms, moms of multiples and moms of older children, because I just have the one and he's only five. And I'm like, whoo. and all the emotions, like, and I know we're going to get into talking like how you balance it, but yeah. Like, how are you feeling? Like, how do you feel? Like, that yeah. statement's pretty big. Just like I have a kindergarten in two weeks. So it's actually yeah. kind of crazy. Like right. you're, you know, you're, it's mm-hmm. the in- the integration of motherhood and the different ages and stages and all the things that, like I said, I have a girlfriend in her thirties, mid thirties, her son is about to be a sophomore. And I'm like, girl, I'm just starting this like whole thing. But, you know so yeah like how do you feel yeah. do you I
1: felt I feel I feel good I'm excited I really believe that it's about the launch and I tell that yeah. to my clients and myself and my friends and it's all about the launch we have kids to help launch them so it's Number one, I feel like I was just in high school, so I cannot believe she's a senior in high school. Uh, honestly, it's just bizarre. So, and I have a senior in college. They're both seniors, so um, they're going to kill me that I'm talking about them right now. So maybe yeah, I, and you don't. I'm to, joking. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no yeah, I'm, yeah, teasing. Yeah, yeah. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Yeah, yeah. They know. They. Saw, I saw one of them, and I was coming in. Um, and no, it's I, I share about my kids because sure. I've been there, and I know. You know. So no, I'm feeling super happy that she's in that whole process yeah. of now applying to colleges. But it's going to be. It's. It's. I'm holding on to all the moments. Yeah. I'm definitely. I don't know if she wants me holding on to all the moments, but I woke up this morning, I got her water bottle ready. Oh, I did, I did. If she let me pack a lunch, I probably would have let me pack a lunch, but these seniors have like early, they leave senior privilege, so she's not even there for lunch, but- If I could, if I could have driven her to school, I would have. But she has a car, so
0: Yeah, So all the moments you're like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, that's awesome. (laughs) But yeah, so you mentioned, um, so that's actually you were you were talking before I kind of you were saying how you had your children there. So I guess how special that it kind of intersected.
1: Yeah, it's been really so neat to see the evolution and the growth at the hospital because they've built extra buildings. There's more programs. When I get my mammogram, it was not like it is now. Now Mm -hmm. it's like going to this beautiful spa when I go for mammography. So and. And and, um, it's incredible, you know, what the hospital has, how it's really, even though it's connected with Baptist Health, it still has that feeling of, community for sure and so it is special I have a very a nice connection I've known uh, because of the grief and loss I've known um, the oncology social workers for years the everybody in labor delivery maternity so I have this like yeah yeah it's awesome. it's nice. No it
0: is and I had the absolute pleasure of touring um, or meeting
1: Robin and, and kind of touring of
0: it and then I know they had the finding your village and motherhood goodness gracious we're in August was it, it February or March when was that was it last year I don't it even remember. It was last
1: year already. I, I mean, remember. I feel like it's, because it's coming up, we're having it next month. I feel like it is was a it year. Was year? Maybe
0: it was, like October, November. I, oh, I maybe don't it remember. was in the fall. I'm, I honestly, I have Mommy brain, we're both having.
1: Who knows? I have no, no idea.
0: But you have the next one coming up, so yes. talk to me the importance about that and why, I mean, other than your connection with the hospital, sure. obviously, yeah. um, you respect them, you honor them, you wouldn't have been working with them along, you know, this, yeah. this time. Um, talk to me about the Finding Your Village and Motherhood event. I'm going to be a part of it. I will be a vendor there kind of sharing some resources because that's what I do too. It's just really just basically sharing resources. So I made a lot of notes because I actually had a mother come to my support group that lost her mother not too long ago and she's pregnant.
1: There's an amazing book called Motherless Mothers so I need to connect and you. Motherless Daughters. Both of these books are amazing. Hope Edelman, who coined yeah. the term. I've met her. I've gone to her lecture. Um, I have her books. I'm, she's and incredible. And motherless
0: in the physical or in the-
1: And, and, and grief, in the okay. grief world. So okay. motherless, right, right. You can look at it that way. There are moms that are estranged correct. from their moms. Loss yes. is loss, right? Correct. There's many layers of yeah. what loss can look like. So uh, for sure. And, and that is, you know, Motherless Daughters is is a grief related book for people who've had a loss of their own mom, but Motherless Mothers is really geared for moms uh who whose mother has died. Yeah. And so it's great. I highly recommend it. Yeah, and I'll books. connect
0: you because um she was at the group and yeah, I mean, she was just, and I can, I, I literally can see it. I'm like, oh, she needs to talk to like someone, someone. It's not just like, hey, we're coming to a group. I'm meeting moms. No, she she needs to talk to someone. But anyway, yeah. going back, so the um, uh, Finding Your Village in Motherhood, the, yeah. the event that's coming up, talk to me about why it was important for you to get involved, how you're involved with it and some of the topics that will be discussed and who it's for.
1: Yeah, so I'm so excited that you're going to be a vendor there too. So it's not only a, a expert panel conversation of which I'm one of the panelists, there's a vendor fair and you'll be there and there'll be there's some amazing vendors that are going to yeah. be there and there's um raffle prizes and all kinds of things like that that are going on and it's free and I'll look at the date in a second at people September 7th something. no okay
0: no hold on I'm going to tell you we're going to put okay. it out I mean it's going to be in the show notes anyway but let Great. me see we'll take a quick look I should, have, I should look. have had that written
1: out ready to go uh, sorry maybe it was September 9th okay beautiful on a Saturday and it is Really, it's it's for anybody, any expectant mother and father, right? Even though it's kind of a motherhood, it's for both any any um, any parent. Uh, last year, when we had a that's when we met in person for the very first time. Was last year? And um, any there were there were there were moms, there were dads. So it's for any expectant or or thinking about having a family, or newly some people were in there with their babies, because all of the vendors that are gonna be there are related to all of the different types of, of people. So. So for some, it's just going to be information. Maybe they ha- aren't even pregnant and they're just on the journey. There's sure. going to be some vendors there that are just going to be helpful about healthcare and taking care of yourself and your vessel. And sure. those. so it's really for anybody that is kind of in this space in their life. Yeah, it really is a special event. Um, yeah, I loved how it was, it's
0: really new and expected moms, but I love how you said for dads, um, for the moms in my group, we have a separate group chat and I, I let them know that specifically. I was like, yeah, I was like, bring your hubbies. Like, and I think we need to do better of that, I think, societal wise, I guess, of really, um, dads are doing a lot more than they did years ago, you know? So I'm like, where's the village for dads? That, exactly. That's, one a of whole nother, that's yeah. another
1: podcast. One of my colleagues, um, he focuses specifically on on some of that. Um, in the, it's more so in the fertility world because he himself was uh, on the journey with his wife. Um, and one out of 10 men have postpartum men have the, I know this is a motherhood podcast, yeah, but, but they do. Uh, but uh, they uh, do. A, a wife could be maybe
0: her husband. Maybe. Absolutely. So I have things. I yeah. have
1: two clients um, currently that I'm working with. It's so it, it does, it does happen very much so. And I think it's important to acknowledge that for sure. So um, yeah, I'm glad that, that we're kind of touching on that. So yeah, so the, the event starts with um, the vendor fair and then at 11 o'clock, then we go into the classroom and there'll be the I'll be there speaking about mental health, pelvic health, breastfeeding, infant feeding. Um, and then that'll it'll end by noon and then the vendor fair will be there. So it's kind of sandwiched in between. So if you can't get there right on sure. time, cause especially if you're a new mom or any mom, <laughs> right? It's just hard to get, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's kind of, you can do whatever kind of works. Plenty of parking, it's at the hospital, to no, the it's in the women's center. Yeah. yeah, it'll be really easy. And to register, you could call um, the hospital. It's 561-955-MAMA. Um, you can go on my Instagram. I, I added the link today so people could register. Sure. It's an Eventbrite. You could Google Eventbrite um, baby fair. Yep.
0: If you do Eventbrite baby fair, I think I even put free
1: in there. It, co- it came up immediately. Immediately. So, go, yeah. so there's lots of ways to be able to register. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Um, now I want to touch upon, we were just talking about your motherhood aspect of things. So you are a mother and a therapist. How do you balance the two roles? And it's so funny. I was talking to one of my girlfriends about this because I was like, I think I finally recognize when my son was off of camp all last week, like it just hit me. I'm like, you really can't balance at the same time. You have to do one or the other if you want to be present. And that's a big if because I could have and said, yeah, buddy, here's your iPad and sit. That is 150%. I could have put on YouTube, could have put on the TV and all the things. But- I know better. I've talked to quite a few, you know, and I just know, and it just doesn't feel right, you know, but it was a lot. He's getting older. He expects more. And I was like, oh no, this week we leave for vacation. I've had, (laughs) I've been so far behind because he was home. And I'm like, Goodness gracious, I'm like, you cannot do the two, you just can't. You got to pick one or the other and do it at the right time if you want to be present in each one. You can't try and do here and there. So, my question to you is because you're a mother and a therapist, and a therapist in many, many different um, um specialties, uh, the grief and loss aspect, I'm sure that's a lot. How did you balance in quotes, juggle? and did they ever overlap like how did you i would imagine it helped you in your motherhood journey as well like maybe talk about that aspect of it cuz i'm i'm very fascinated to hear how that
1: went for you sure so uh, the the one thing that i think is so important is to remember that we're human and for me Or even early on, because I started my practice in 99 and I had my first daughter a couple years after that. So, and then right around the time, even though I had always done grief and loss, my own mother died. She died in like six weeks after I started my practice, which was just kind of crazy. I'd already been doing hospice for seven years. So here I am kind of in the space in my practice. One of the things that I'm, I'm again, super fortunate in having amazing support, but my husband, I mean, really, how do I do it? I I work two evenings a week and having young kids and letting go of guilt. Like when we hold on to what that guilt looks like and, I'm not there, I'm not there to be able to help with all the things or, or not li- with little ones, not being able to see them before they go to bed at night, like those moments. So. I I was able to be flexible in my practice. Back then, I I used to work four days a week and take Fridays off. So Fridays was my mommy and me day. So I would be very present on Fridays. We'd go to mommy and me. We'd go meet a friend for coffee afterwards, go to the park when it wasn't a blazing 97 degrees out. (laughs) And um, so those things really definitely helped um, in terms of being present, sure. but also balancing my practice too. So having the support of, of my husband was, was great. Um, and knowing that it, cause I tell this to clients all the time, we, they're, they've been a parent just as long as we have. We're not the expert. We think we are, but they may figure out their own ways and how to navigate it too. So I had to trust and if he's listening, which I'm sure he is, he will remember some of those moments where I would come home and I'm I'm human. I would get like, especially when they got a little older and there was homework and did you get the homework done or the project? So it was like the first job of the day was my practice, but my second job was still being a mom and they totally overlapped. Or during the day, who's getting the phone calls when you're sitting there in the office. And when I'm with a client, I'm not on my phone. So he really was that backup if there was a call, like yeah. from a doctor, if, if a pediatrician anything. was yeah. calling anything. So so it was a lot of tag teaming and, and being able to do that. And, and be, really because of the work that I do, like self care is essential. It is literally the most primary thing um, to be able to navigate, and self care is not selfish. In fact, there's a chapter of a professional book that I'm published in. That's the name of my of the chapter. Mm-hmm. It is critically important, and because I've had clients that even feel coming into the office is like. Oh, it's luxurious. Like they shouldn't be taking the time for themselves. But so, so I, you know, I definitely have my passions, and it's what creates the balance. Like we're over right now, recording near a place I go hear live music <laughs> all the time. Uh, it's one of my favorite places. Uh, so I'm really into music, and so that is my that is my balance. I'm I'm sipping water out of a Peloton water bottle right now. So exercise is my balance. Reading is my balance. So having those things that we're really into, um, that is part of our identity outside of being a mom or a wife or a clinician. So those, and and deserving of that, important to take that time. I think you
0: just hit it in saying that's your balance of how to get back to being balanced, if that makes sense. Like, you know, when they say eat a balanced breakfast or for you to be whole, and it's so true. And I think we have to reframe when we think of balance. I think for a long time in society, we thought of balance like... You can have it all. And I do believe you can. You just can't have it all at the same time. I have a loving family. And to your point, I mean, you know, we go on vacations, we do the things, but when it's time to work, like I said, this week I was like, okay, I know tonight I'm going to bed at 1 a.m. Like I know what then that is, but then to your point it's so funny because, um, if, uh, I, I only do the three support groups in the evening specifically for working parents only that can't three. make only three. <laughs> well, there's 30 something days. Okay. My son, when I tell him, he looks at me like oh, another support group, mommy. And you know, it's adorable. And of course I talked to him about what I'm doing and I know he'll understand it, but you would think I'm gone like every night, but I know to him, you know, it means something. So what I've learned with that and I, you know, he's like, mommy, can you promise you'll be home? And, I never make a promise I can't keep. I did that once and I didn't make it home and whew, I felt the wrath of that. And just that was the guilt. So I've learned to kind of tell him what I can, let him know, and then I'll make it up. I'll cook him pancakes the next day, you know, like we have, like you said, the Friday thing. So I think you can, I think you just have to have the grace of knowing like what you can not and your limitations, but you saying the balance of like listening to music, finding the things that kind of take you center. From your um, professional opinion, because now with the support groups and talking to moms, my own personal journey, even some of my girlfriends, what comes up a lot is that identity aspect, right? So you spoke on and touched briefly upon um, the moms are still, regardless of whatever, as hands-on as my husband is, I'm still the one who's washing his uniforms, getting it ready just because innately, I need it to get ready. He'll probably do it, but it'll be on like Sunday at like eight o'clock PM. Right. So my question to you is talk to me about that identity aspect. And is it just something that is for the most part inevitable and mothers work through now, whether it's through the mental health and they seek someone that put that to the side, like maybe talking to a woman, listen to someone listening to this, like, is that inevitable? Because it's like, and whether you have one child, two, three, because every journey is different, like we have to almost come out, renew and say, okay, we've had this transformative experience. We're raising this child. We've kind of got out the fog. Now I have to find out what balances Karen. Now I have to find out what balances Nicole. Is that something that's inevitable? Is that just what it is and we have to embrace it? I guess is my long-winded way of saying, is it just what
1: we have to do? (laughs) I have a lecture that actually at one of the, collaborative groups that I that I love that I've known for like 20 something years too I have a lecture that I've done many times called the evolution of a mom's identity mm. it is an evolution mm. so it and and we're constantly evolving and changing so I do think that it's inevitable yeah. I've had clients that when they've had their professional uh, careers, and then they're kind of at that crossroads. What am I going to do? Am I going to go back into the workplace? Do am I want to go back? Do I want to go back? Those that said I'm definitely going to, and then they have their baby, and they're like, "There's no way I could leave my baby," or vice versa. You know, I always thought I would stay home, and I definitely can't wait to go back. So yeah. all is okay. So there are ways I I, I like to talk to people that. You can tap into your, let's say somebody chooses to stay home, which is totally okay. We know that that is work. It is unpaid work, but it is a lot of work. But you can still tap into that identity if you have a career. Let's say I stayed home. Sure. I could still do continuing ed for my, um, my license. I can go to workshops. I could read books, professional. There's so many things to keep. Up with my identity, meeting colleagues. So I think for anybody who's in that, sure. and also it evolves and changes. Right here, I am about to be an empty nester. Yay! Um, next year, and we're already. It's super bittersweet, but but we've always had a vision. You know, my husband and I keep the communication open and dialoguing, and 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 thinking about what's our life. How are we? How, how is this organically flowing so that we remember, yes, you have kids, I know we're kind of going to a different direction no, but, now.
0: We're, but we're gonna touch on that, so I'm glad okay. you're going there, yeah. Yeah,
1: just kind of, it makes me think about, like like I was saying earlier, when you have children, it's to help them launch, but also to remember if, if somebody has a partnership, sure. there are single parents, plenty of them, but if you're in a, a partnership or within self, what's that vision of life gonna look like when, when you're at that other place? And if you have a relationship, making sure you're friends, making sure you you like one another, right? Because so many people, that's another touch point where we start seeing um, couples come in to the office, right? They may come in a lot of times after having kids, they're dealing with this whole struggle of what parenting looks like. Maybe they had a great relationship, but this is like pull the wool out from underneath it. So it's a lot of times when kids are really young, like two, three, four, that transition time, And then you see it, obviously, the teen years. And then you see it when they're leaving for college, you know, when there's challenge in the relationship. So I I cannot stress how important it is to constantly be working on the relationship even when you have kids. Do you also talk with empty nesters?
0: Moms that are empty nesters? Yeah, Yeah. because I'm sure we can probably have a whole conversation about that too. And I'd be interested to learn about that of like, that's another evolution, absolutely. right? Because I mean, I am my son's like everything right now. And my husband constantly reminds me, you know, that's, you know, like be prepared, you know, because he's my only and he is a mama's boy through and through. So my husband's constantly reminding me, like, you know, be prepared that this is not gonna always be, but to the point of you saying, of like, now you have to transition and say, even your 70 year, you still, she's in the home. There's still things, but when they leave, so, oh God, that must be so profound and such a, um, a beautiful aspect of kind of like the full circle. And to your point, and actually I have a question there, you mentioned ways spouses can connect because if you do want to continue to have that relationship, I would imagine how, if you don't have it somewhat at the center and make time for it, that when that time comes, which happens so fast then you're like, well, who are you? Because for so long, everything has been really focused on this little one. Even if you're trying not to be, it just is what it is, it's school things. Everything is revolved around schedules, what do you want them to do? Now you're like, where do we go from here? So I'm glad you mentioned that. But I wanna ask one last question before I, I'm gonna talk about how people can connect with you and all the things. We're in the digital age. So because you have, you said a 20 something year old, so I'm trying to think that's 2000 cell phones were around 2000, but it's nowhere near where we are now. What have you seen? And I guess, I guess, no, my question to you is how can people still connect in this digital age era? Um, you know, I know the, the laptops, the the iPads, the phones for the kids. It's, you know, again, I know better. So I try and have really honest conversations with my five-year-old. So when he says, well, why, mommy? I don't just say because I said so. And I'm like, baby, it's your brain. I'm like, I re- Your eyes, like all the things hitting the touch points. But for, again, someone listening who doesn't know, how can families connect more in really this digital age where everything is phone? If you're a business owner, I mean, I never wanted to be the person that's like, oh, but... It is. I have emails. I have things, like my phone is my thing. Mm-hmm. How? What are some tips and things that maybe you can give to kind of, how do we
1: separate, recharge from it,
0: release from it? You know, what, what do we do? And what,
1: yeah, I know yeah. that's a loaded it's question. It's so hard. I yeah. know it is. I. I it's so funny because thinking about it, I could remember exactly when my husband got his first phone and it was when I was pregnant with my oldest. So it was right around, right? She's 21 and he didn't even have his own phone. I always had a phone because the, in my practice and in the agencies I used to work at back in the day. So we always had them. But I vividly remember begging him, begging him, you have to get a phone. What if I go into labor and I can't reach you? look how far we've come now. Like he's the one, you know, sending me a video on TikTok that he saw now he doesn't really scroll on TikTok. (laughs) Um, so, but yeah, so, you know, I, I think, I, I think we have to just like embrace that. It's not going away, right? This is part of where we're at. It's a wonderful tool and we all use it for lots of reasons for good, just like it can be of challenge as well. So if we're talking about family time, maybe there's just some boundaries, maybe there's some parameters of if if we're having dinner together, we don't have our phones on the table. Our phone is someplace else. And this is something that that in the very you know, we have like it's a miracle when my family's all together now that we can have dinner. And, but if my, especially if my 17 year old, um, and she knows, I hope you are listening to this now, I can't stand it if she's on her phone while we're eating. So, So really being present and it keeps us out of our, our own thoughts. We need to have just time to be able to like get off of a screen and unplug from that. The, we are all, I think, the worst at, especially before bed, going on our phone. I, I, My hand is raised. I am definitely bad at it. So what I try to do a lot of times, okay, if I'm going to be on my phone, maybe I'm going to listen to a meditation before I go to bed. Yeah. So, so that way it's there, but I'll use it for good. So Looking at what the good can bring as well, but having some parameters around it, uh, if we are going to be using our phone and... and again, kind of going back to the guilt, like it's okay if you have it as a tool and it's helping you deal with whatever. Yeah. If somebody's just trying to get home from work and make dinner and your kid sure. is watching something, it's all right to yeah. do that. Sometimes, I mean, we all, we may not didn't have the phones, but we definitely had the TV, <laughs> oh, absolutely. right? Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. we all are using it. and And I think just kind of checking in, we also know that it is a very overwhelming, it adds to that overstimulation. It causes a lot more anxiety yes. for us. Um, and we see it with the kids as well. So I think it's just trying to create some parameters and boundaries, healthy relationship with the technology and also a time to really unplug. I I knew somebody, he literally from 5 p.m. to 730 there was no nobody had it like the whole family and and i have some clients now that are even in high school and the parents are still like the stuff has to be pl- kept out of their room overnight you know there's still some parameters and i think that's a healthy thing to do when when you're able to do it
0: yeah no i agree i've told myself that of trying to be i mean especially now that he is heading to kindergarten i think we're heading into we are heading into uncharted territory because it's big boy school. You know, he's had this wonderful safe haven of preschool. They were fantastic for four years. I cry. I I get teary-eyed thinking because Friday's his last day there. Um, And we'll still be connected. But I think about, I'm like, he's going to kindergarten. This is like, you know, there's rule, you know, this is, this is a big thing, you know, and still trying to have grace with it, but of really trying to say, okay, for these next, years of him being in the in, in school age years, how do I want to show up? And I think one of the biggest things is also as a parent modeling too with it and having the conversation. So uh, yeah, my husband and I go back and forth. We're like, yeah, we're not gonna you know, I have actually a reminder, turn phone off, put you're putting him to bed so that I'm not like this during I reading time that. because I'm like, I have to have a reminder. If not, then what do I do? I just grab my phone and I'm like, does someone email me? It's a whole thing because then we get the email, then your aggravation, is it a good email? Is it not a good email? Did someone cancel something and then your child is looking at you? So I'm, I'm aware of that. But to your point, I know it's not always the case. And listen, if you're listening to this, you got to do what you got to do. But I like how you said to kind of see what the parameters are and really what's working best and what you need for your family, for sure. Okay, Karen, as we wind down, please um, share how people can connect with you. Um, We know the services you provide, your website, I will add your social media and all the things,
1: how they can connect with you. Absolutely, lots of different ways nowadays. Speaking of technology, right? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. It's uh, it's my name, Karen, but it's with a Y. I'm not the Karen with an E. I know that became a thing. Can we? That, I, I need a podcast and a th- I need a therapist about what that's done to me. <laughs> I'm joking. So it's uh, it's funny. Karen K A R Y N L C S W. That's what I am on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, I think it's the same thing, or it's Karen Rosenberg, LCSW. Um, my website is my name, Karen Rosenberg. Uh, it's dot com, And um, my phone number, 561-306-0232. Text me, DM me, uh, email me, karen at Rosenberg.com. So those are all the best ways to reach me. Awesome. Yeah.
0: I'll put it in the show notes. And I always ask my guests this. It's so funny. I asked someone before and she was like, what the heck did I do the last 45 minutes? But I do like to always ask, do you have any final wisdom thoughts that you want to impart now that we've kind of come through all of this to share kind of with the podcast community?
1: Let go of the mom guilt. We are the worst at holding on to guilt. And if there's nothing else that what you're experiencing most likely is totally normal and it's completely valid and let go of the guilt, it's not going to help you whatsoever. So... I love that. Thank you so much, Karen, for coming
0: on, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing tips, tricks, um, upcoming events for obviously the mamas that are in the South Florida area. And again, this all go on social media, show notes, all the things. But thank you, Karen. Thank you for coming on and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast